Welcome to a message by Highway Christian Community. Highway Christian Community is a church in Pinetown pastored by Steve and Janet Wheeler, whose vision is to make disciples. You can visit their website at www.highway.org.za. We hope that today's message enlightens the eyes of your heart to know the goodness of God and awakens you to live your God-given purpose. Enjoy. You know, sometimes you don't even hear it. But right now the voice of God is penetrating. It's penetrating. It's coming in. It's breaking through. It's breaking in. Right now, God, your Father, is prophesying over you, and you don't even know it. You think you're going to hear it with these ears, and you don't. But God, your Father, is prophesying over you right now. He's speaking things of His purpose. He's speaking things of His plans. He's speaking things of His joy. He's speaking things that have never entered into the imagination or the wildest dreams that we've had, but indescribable, abundantly, above and beyond are His thoughts concerning you, for you, about you, through you, church. Just as you stand there for this moment, feel the warm breath as God's prophesying over you. Speaking His purposes, speaking His promises. Can you receive it now in your inner man? For some of you, you're starting to hear it. For some of you, you're starting to sense it. For some of you, it's pictures. For some of you, it's scripture. For some of you, it's reminders. For some of you, it's just a a, a bubbling, a bubbling, a bubbling, a bubbling inside of you that words cannot describe, that words cannot replace. But deep down, as sitting under a waterfall, deep to deep, deep groans of the Spirit of God in and through. Right now, receive, 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 receive. Hasn't He already said, I'm breathing, I'm breathing over you? That breath that you feel is my word that I'm speaking, my prophetic word that I'm declaring. For surely you cannot outnumber the sand on the shores and no man can number it. But in God's economy, every hair on our head, every grain of sand, every drop of the waterfall is known, is known in the mind of our God. How much more are you worth? Flock, dear children, son, daughter, how much more are you worth than the sparrow that falls? How much more are you valued than the number of hairs on your head? How much more precious are you than the the grains of sand on the ocean? How much more, how much more? The Father says, you are accepted, beloved. You are accepted. You are empowered. You are empowered. Let the breath of God just wash over you this morning. Wash over you. Breathe warmth, breath of God in and through, empower. Do not lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge the Lord. Acknowledge, acknowledge. Remind yourself right now 
and He will make your way straight. Do you see mountains on your path? Do you see valleys? Do you see crooked ways? Know this today, that the Lord says, those mountains are going to be made level. Those valleys are going to be raised up. And those crooked ways are going to be made straight. For the glory, the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. His glory, the glory of the latter house shall proceed and overcome and overtake the glory of the latter house. Glory. serving this morning. It's good to be in the gathering of the saints and the priests, the priesthood this morning. Consider yourself very, very welcome. And because we have two birthday boys today, and I'm always scared I'll leave somebody out, Davy Walker, happy birthday. <laughs> Tinas, I know it's also your birthday, because you share a birthday with Dave Walker now, you can never be forgotten. Anyone else have a birthday today and I missed you? Okay. And if you're sitting at home this morning having a birthday, God bless you. <laughs> yeah, so we reached our little mini target we had set to take the next uh, improvement in our online streaming capabilities. So that hardware that we need is on order and the money came in, the Around about 9,000 we needed to buy that part. So thank God for that. And yes, we celebrate each step of the way as we improve our online broadcasting and at the same time not neglect our gathering together like this. And isn't this an awesome time? I mean, look around you. I'm just, welcome, welcome. 
we're kind of full house this morning. Maybe we shouldn't put that on the online. <laughs> no, we, we, we're at max. I, I see there's one or two empty chairs, but I guess we're going to have to go to two services sooner than later. Now, now that could be an exciting thing because when we had, whether we have 30 or 60 people in this place, it doesn't feel that much different, you know, just a few less chairs. So who's kind of getting quite used to this 10 o'clock time and saying, I like, I, I, I like the 10 o'clock? Who say, no, 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 I definitely would prefer an earlier, like an 8.30 or something. I'm an early bird. Now, just by looking at hands there, that's a close to 50-50 spread. So maybe not next Sunday, but the Sunday after. I think that's the first Sunday of spring. Is that right? Let's start, with, let's start spring with a skip in our step and have a nice early 8.30 crowd and a 10 o'clock crowd. So Zoom just doesn't cut it forever. Online has an outreach capacity and a potential that exceeds these four walls. But if you live within driving distance, I reckon it's first prize to get down to the assembling and the gathering of the saints. Come on. But in circumstances where we are locked up and locked at home, then the radio or the online is, is, uh, is great to be able to do. So, Richard, did you take a photo of all those hands this morning that went up, acknowledging 10 o'clock and 8.30? Did you split that well? So we'll, um, we are going to have a booking system, but don't stress too much about that. It's going to be made easier rather than more difficult. But just judging on that show of hands, we've got quite a good um, spread down the middle. And then we'll deal with the next thing after that. I have to go to my Sunday today list to know what I'm doing here. Also want to say good morning and welcome to the online viewers. And just a special invitation if you are stuck at home and needing prayer for any area that you're facing. Or if you're listening to the radio and you're needing prayer, then... I want to give you a, a WhatsApp phone number. I'd ask you to, rather than phone it for practical reasons, send a WhatsApp message, your name and what the situation is, so that we can get people praying into your uh, situation and get back to you. So um, this number will come up on the screen, but just so that you heard it first from here, it's 61 so that's an extension to people to send through if you're needing prayer requests in any area that you need. Amen? Okay, so is everybody ready and happy and about to stand up again? How, how long am I going to get away with this, sit down and stand up? Not at the 8.30 service. You'll all be standing up already. I just, uh, you know, my, my mom taught me that when you do something like really significant, it's good manners to stand up. One of the good things she taught me. And I, I love it when we just stand up in, a, in a, an agreement of prayer. So you're not standing up for me, just standing up in like an, a, a, a unified statement of we're coming to make a declaration right now before the courts of heaven, before the throne room of God. And we 
going to make an announcement. We're going to make a proclamation now. So let's say it. Father God, we decree that your kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom. And your glory will cover this earth as the waters cover the sea. And this good news of the kingdom of God will be proclaimed in every nation and then the end will come. And thank you, Father, that you are pleased to give us the kingdom. Amen. Can you give the Lord a praise and a shout as you take your seats? Amen. So I'm going to be continuing in a a series that I've been doing over the last couple of weeks. The beginning of lockdown, we got kind of caught into uh, Matthew 16, Jesus telling his disciples that he was going to build his church and give them the keys of the kingdom. And it's really become a, a, a foundation that every time I go to the Word, every time I spend time in prayer, I kind of do full circle back into this urgency that Jesus proclaimed in his first sermon, repent for the kingdom of my Father is here. Wow. A new kingdom And he brought it with him, the king of glory. So we've been looking over this topic for a few weeks. And you know, it's important that we become familiar with terminology. As I stated last week, that terminology in any field or discipline, in the sciences or medicine, education, once you understand the terminology of a given topic in law or in IT, it enables you to negotiate through that topic with minimum misunderstanding and uh, terminology that fits every occasion. Now, this is also true of the language of the kingdom of God. A common understanding is important as a starting place to our our learning and discovering and, and practicing, which are good things. Learning, discovering, practicing. So this terminology, as we saw last week, is synonymous with the language of an earthly kingdom, an earthly government, an earthly uh, country. Except this is not a democracy, the kingdom of God. The very term kingdom of God refers to a domain ruled by a king. So the starting place of understanding the kingdom of God is to understand that this is not a democracy. It's not that everybody gets to tell the king what he should do and shouldn't do, as it is in today's uh, monarchies, for the most part. But our understanding has to predate that to a time when the king's word was law and final. The queen's word was absolute. Fortunately, we have a benevolent, loving, good king on the throne of the kingdom of God. Where there are evil kings, evil ensues. Where there is unrighteousness, corruption ensues. But where you have the king, 
as loving and good and gracious and compassionate and merciful as the King of Kings, our God Almighty of the kingdom. That's our starting place. We have a king, and he's a good king. Incidentally, I heard this week someone mentioned that the word corona is, I'm not sure, I think it's Latin. It's a Latin word meaning crown. And it's symbolic for a king. So the word corona is king. But I've got news for the king. There's a king of kings. And there's a king over the king. And that king is our father. And he's elevated us to the place of princes and princesses incumbent of his kingdom rule over this planet. So it's not us that need to live in fear of what's coming on this planet all the time. It's us who need to stay so connected with our king that we acknowledge that he's the king over all kings. The second thing is the domain itself. Is the king has a domain. And this is quite important to understand that you have to go back to Genesis to see God's original intent for this planet. God's original intent was to have an Edenic expression of heaven. That's the closest of heaven on earth. Where heaven demonstrates itself and displays itself in a physical realm that is equivalent to the heavenly realm. So God created heaven and earth. He was always king over heaven and earth and will continue to be king. But he had this physical place which would be a physical expression of his eternal purposes. Even in creation, we have the fingerprints of God's ingenuity, his magnificence, his splendor. But in creation, God wanted to depict the spiritual realities. So he chose to work through creation. And he put in the crown of creation, you and I as human beings, where he breathed his spirit. Unlike any of the other creation, man was created with God's spirit in him. And God gave himself a reasonable, heavenly God restriction to only work through the delegated authority. When he said, Let's create them in our image. That was his gift to you. And now let them have dominion. See, when God gave us dominion, he said he would only work through his delegated authority on earth. And that's why we sometimes think, why doesn't God just intervene and do something spectacular in the world? Well, actually he did when he became flesh and worked legitimately legitimately through the rightful property of earth as Jesus. Jesus was the man. Jesus was the bodysuit. Christ was God's spirit living for the first time in perfect community with him, the son of God. And Jesus became a forerunner of everyone who would step into righteousness and receive the Holy Spirit as a gift. That's God getting involved in the affairs of this world. But we need to understand that the original intent was that God wanted the physical realm to display his spiritual reality. The third term we saw, and I'm not even going through my notes, Steve. 
I'm getting so excited preaching away. I'm just talking about the King of Kings. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. And his territory, the domain, the highest heaven belongs to the Lord, but the earth has given it to man. And then thirdly, we are citizens. Say, I'm a citizen. Well, it's a good question to ask, are you a citizen? Because the Bible says that we became citizens when he took us out of the kingdom of darkness and put us in the kingdom of his beloved son. That happened on the transaction of faith in what Jesus did at the cross. We are not only citizens now living under the king in this domain to show forth his glory and represent his character, but we are Beyond citizens, citizens have rights. You know, you've got some rights as a citizen of heaven. But you're not just a citizen. You're, you're a citizen and a son and a daughter. That, that means you, you, it's like you, you, you got your green card to go to the country where you want to live. And then you found out, no, you're actually a child of that country. But then even more than that, the king is your father of that country. So you're a king, you've got his DNA, his blood running through your veins, his spirit in you, and that makes you a prince ruling and reigning in that land. See, that's the biblical picture of a citizen. Are we citizens? And we can read various scriptures that confirm that uh, from last week. And we also speak about our kingdom culture. The culture, you see, the culture of a country is portrayed in its language, its arts, its architecture. I mean, just let your mind wander now around the, the cultures of the world. There's some beautiful cultures. And they re reflect the values and the beliefs and the worldview of that particular group of people. Now, in the same way, the kingdom of God, who's reigned over by a king, who's made us citizens, sons, and priests, has commissioned us to bring the culture of heaven to earth. That means, as it is in heaven, let your will be done on earth. If there's peace in heaven, we're not happy that there's discord on earth. Why do you think there's something that riles within you when you hear about uh, uh, corruption and maladministration and, and all kinds of, of, of bad governance? Well, what is that in you? Rising up and saying, that's not allowed in heaven. That shouldn't be the way things are managed on earth. See, a culture brings with it a language. That's why, I mean, even when Rome swallowed up Greece, uh, Greece left its fingerprints on Rome through its language. Rome became the, the um, epicenter and the world rulers and the colonizers of the planet in a way that no other nation had ever done before. There were, you know, the Persians and the Babylonians and the Assyrians, they came in and destroyed the people, took them captive, burnt their lands, and took them home as slaves. Not the Romans. Romans were cleverer than that. They went in and established their authority, 
But they left the people to run their workshops. They left the people to work at the bank. They left the people to farm and, and fish. And they were in charge and they collected taxes. But that was the first form of colonization. Because they understood kingdom and they understood the emperor. And it was that picture that the New Testament draws on and it says, Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Hello? Because it is the rulership of the emperor that gave the framework to understanding how this kingdom was going to work. And in this kingdom, there was a culture. In the same way the Romans had their culture and it had assimilated many of the cultures of the day, uh, that was the downside. The kingdom of God assimilates the kingdom of heaven and Caesar established on earth. And that's why joy feels natural to you. Because in heaven, anxiety is unacceptable. It's foreign. It's a foreign article floating, that would be floating around. It doesn't happen there. And every time we pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, we are saying let the culture that you commissioned us to bring to this planet come to this planet. And then, so, so by far introduction. Okay, so the kingdom of God is not a matter of just eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to try and wrap up the next four as quickly I'm sure you can take another four. Amen? Because as we understand the terminology of the kingdom, as we see its correlationship to how things work in the natural realm, we begin increasing our understanding and knowledge how to step in. I mean, don't you want to see all that the king offered to you, his citizens, as you rule in this domain and see his culture come? I mean, if you're a child of the king, you know you got some privileges. If you're a, a, a co-prince reigning and ruling, then you know that, that what the father's called you to, he's also going to equip you for. He's not going to leave you with a commission that you can't fulfill. And that's why God put you on this planet at such a time as this. If you were needed in the 18th century, you would have been born then. If you were born at the time of Michelangelo to come and help him with his uh, painting of the Sistine Chapel, you would have been born then. If you were needed at the time of the Reformation with Martin Luther, you would have been born then. No, no, you were born at a time. You were prepared and equipped for a time that this world is going through right now. Don't despise, even for your children's sake. I have to correct myself regularly when I start feeling that hopelessness trying to settle on me. I know the, that, that claw of depression that tries to come and drag you down and you've got to remind yourself and say, God, but for such a time as this, you aren't taken by surprise. You knew who my children were going to be and even my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. And I've got to believe you as much as I did 10 years ago for 10 years' time. Amen. It hasn't changed. So, the next thing that we need to understand, the terms of, of this kingdom, is that it has a constitution. 
You know, any good country has to have a constitution. And I praise God that South Africa, where we live, has a good constitution. And it's, you know, democracy is the lesser of five evils. I'm not saying it's the best system. I think it's better than socialism. I think it's got advantages over, over dictatorships and even evil monarchies. I don't think it's the best system. I think theocracy is the best system. That just means God first. That is the best government. But the Constitution is the, the laws and the, it outlines kind of what the judicial system can and can, cannot do, and the independence of it, and the, you know, all that stuff that you hear on the news. Now, the kingdom has also got a constitution. It's his word. You know, I, I'm astounded at how many Christians I meet who have lost their confidence in the word of God, the Bible. It's like, you, you, I mean, just listen to the reason here. I, I mean, if God was, had enough engineering capacity to make sure your two eyeballs ended up on the right side of your head and had the potential and absolute phenomenal spectacular ability to reflect light into your brain so you can perceive distance and shape, I'm sure God could have superintended the work of the book that would become the Constitution of his people in the church. I mean, I mean, just the logic of that. I mean, of course God used people to write it. All oh, 66 books written by 140 of the prophets and, and, and apostles. And, and he superintended over it. I think some books were lost because maybe the writer got a bit lost in his journey. But God knows the end from the beginning. So surely the God who knows the end from the beginning and knew how important a document would be to our survival as his people in living communities called Ecclesia would need a constitution. But he didn't decide to drop it on a golden chariot out of heaven and be rolled up to your front door. He chose to, again, through his own limitation, but by his spirit, in cooperation with man, because God only does things on earth when he finds partners. God only does things on earth when he comes finds people that agree with him. You say, why didn't God do that? No, no, why didn't we agree with God to do that? If there's going to be joy, if there's going to be peace, if there's going to be healing signs and wonders, if there's going to be a supernatural breakthrough, then it's because a people took his word out of his constitution and said, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. God's not going to step down out of heaven and do it for us. You say, yeah, but he's God, he can do anything. Of course he is. That's why he chose to limit himself to work legitimately through his delegated authorities. And as the constitution is so important to us, we should be familiar with it. God architected. And yes, it was written in different, during different covenants that God made with Israel, with, with, through Christ, with the Gentiles. So there is a certain amount of correctly dividing. I'm all for studying and learning how to correctly divide the Scripture. 
We've seen how Bible verses taken out of isolation and out of context can be made to say anything and promote anything. Come on. I can go out and hang myself and say it was in the Bible. Judas did it. I'm just doing what the Bible says. But I've got to see who, to who, in what context, in what covenant, what was said for me, what was said to me, etc., etc., etc. There is a studying and a correctly dividing so that this constitution doesn't get abused but gets properly used. And as my good friend Rob Rufus always says, most people's response to abuse is non-use when the response to abuse should be correct use. Oh, well, you guys, you can use the Bible for anything. No, you can't. When you put it in its covenant and to its right context and to the right people it's addressing, you can't just make the Bible say anything. I think someone needed to hear that. All right, let's, uh, let's, let's uh, have a look at this. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Until I come, devote yourself to the public, say public, reading of Scripture. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but God, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The next thing we need to understand about a country, and if we can understand a kingdom, is the whole subject of law. Heather, will you come up and please take this next point? Now, <laughs> only because she practices law, I did that. But as independent as law has to be for the correct functioning of a country, in the same way that law has to be obeyed so that there's not lawlessness or anarchy, so the kingdom has law. Oh, and it jumped up ahead. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Aren't you glad that, that Jesus reduced all those hundreds of laws down to that one? Aren't you glad that you don't have to go through ceremonial washings of legalistic interpretations of this rabbi and that rabbi and this prophet and this apostle, but that you have been given God's law that makes this country of the kingdom work, that this is the one law that he says, if you get this right, you will get the laws of the kingdom right, that you learn to love one another, which means you have to sometimes forgive. You have to sometimes overlook an offense. You have to sometimes go to your brother and show him his fault between the two of you first before you take it to other people. It means you don't envy what he has, but you rejoice in the promotion of others. You rejoice when others get the stuff you didn't get because it's like rejoicing for your children or your own family when others prosper around you. Love changes everything. Yeah, but, you know, I'm just, I know this, you know, and the Bible says I must first, you know, I must get back to my first love, and I'm feeling so condemned because I'm not feeling like I'm back at my first love. As your pastor, let me just remind you, you love him because he first loved you, not the other way around. He doesn't love you because you love him. If you're feeling like love is growing weary in your life, love for this 
brother that rubs you up the wrong way or this person that annoys you and irritates you and didn't greet you last time they saw you. Don't worry about how much you got to love them. Just stop and say, God, remind me again how much you love me. Father, just remind me that nothing is going to separate me from your love. Not in this life, not in death, not angels, not demons, not the past, not principle. Nothing is going to separate me from your love. Lord, if I can get a hold of that, if I can just believe that, if I can just soak in that a bit, then next time I see that dingbat, it's going to be so much easier to love them. Love. Sure, there's a song in there. Love, love me, do you know? <laughs> What's that song we heard last night in that movie? Sing it for us. Hey, T- take my hand. I can't stop. But I just in love. Can't stop falling in love. I suppose that's different. Okay. Yo, Alec, will you come up and sing? That's, we've got lawyers and Elvis in the house. <laughs> All right, so economics. You know that a country needs economics to survive. Should we just move on from that one? You know, here's the thing. That world systems are built on the economies of, of buying and selling. And, and that is stable economic sense. Most stuff is in some process, whether it's a service or a product or, or uh, an idea. Or Most things are in the stage of buying and selling somewhere, which reminds me we never took up the offering. Just kidding. Everything is in the stage of buying and selling somewhere, and that's okay. Except the kingdom of God is based on so much more than just buying and selling. If this world economy is limited to buying and selling, the kingdom of heaven is firstly based in trust. Jesus said, he will take good care of you. Jesus said that if the father knows what's going on with the sparrows and the flowers in the field, he knows what's going on with you. And as you keep putting his kingdom first... And his righteousness, he's going to take care of the things you need. That, my friend, boils down to trust. That was the very thing that got man into trouble in the garden. That's where he lost it. Because he didn't operate on God's operating system, which is, he just had a trust. Father was going to take care. Father wasn't holding back. Father was kind. The second thing is stewardship. Bible talks about, I mean, you know you've been given some gifts. You know you've been given some talents. You know you've been given opportunities that other people didn't get. And God is able to meet your needs and provide for you to be able to sow to others. I mean, that's what stewardship is all about. Being responsible with the stuff we had. I think we should spend a whole morning just reminding ourselves what stewardship means. Because if your, if your output exceeds your income, then your, in, uh, something like that. If your spending 
is beyond what you're receiving, there's going to be bankruptcy somewhere along the line. It's a common sense. It's called a budget. If I'm a good steward with what I've got and I don't spend more than I've got, then I'll have what I need at the end of the month. And that doesn't matter if I'm earning 100,000 rand a year or a million rand a year. Because if I spend 1.1 million a year, I'm in trouble. As much as if I spend 110,000 rand a year. Okay, stewardship. Let's move on. Way too much time. Economics in the kingdom. Diligence. Read that scripture. Very powerful. Then there's sowing and reaping. You know, this works for non-believers and believers because it's a principle God has given. But it's a powerful principle for us in that you can't outgive God when He shows you to give. We don't give under compulsion. We give when He shows us and how He speaks to us. And I believe one of the basic starting points is honor God with your, your first fruits of your harvest. That's a common sense starting point. That's not even going on to sowing and reaping. I've got stories I'd love to tell you. Uh, one of the first times, the, one of the biggest things God ever called me to give away was a motorcycle. I'd come through uh, my apprenticeship. I'd saved my money. I had a dream motorbike in mind. And those of you around my age, you'll remember the Yamaha XT500. It was just a young boy's dream. It was like a young boy's Harley Davidson. And I eventually got to one. I rode it off the floor. It was brand new. Oh, I just loved this thing. And I was on a mission trip one day. And God, I knew, clearly spoke to me because he gave me a dream. And he gave the, the missionary a dream that I was to leave it there at the mission center. And after I rebuked the devil... No, I didn't. I knew God was speaking to me. But Janet and I have often mused about this, how we've never lacked for transport in 30 years. And, and oh, by the way, last year somebody phones me and says, I've got XT500. It's standing in my garage. I've got two of them. Do you want to come and take it? I said, let me pray about that. Uh, yes. Uh, let me speak to Janet first. Uh, yes. I took the bark. I said, oh, you, first of all, I wanted to make sure, you know, he hadn't had a pizza dream. It was really God speaking to him. I went and I collected the bark, but I found at my age, kickstarting that thing was just too much. So I asked him for permission to fix it, sell it, and put it down as a deposit on another motorbike, which I did. So I got me a scooter, a nice big scooter, an old man's bike, which uses a tenth of the petrol of my diesel vehicle, my big truck. But all I'm trying to say here is, is when God shows you to do something, you're not sowing for nothing. He sees your good works. He sees your faith. He's able to take care of you. I'm out of time a bit. I have spoken a bit about ambassadors. Because every country has an ambassador who represents the country that he comes from. And the ambassador needs to be very familiar with the Constitution. Did you get that part? And I want to encourage you again. How familiar are you with the Constitution of the country you represent? Do you just flip through that Constitution on Sunday when you get to church so you can try and find the verse that the, te the preacher or the teacher is speaking about? Or are you going to love that Constitution? 
Is it life to you? Do you open it and go through the, 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 the history of redemption and the history of God's salvation and, and, and his dealings with mankind and screen them through the new covenant and the cross and see how Christ is fulfilled and, and elaborated? You see, an ambassador, first of all, has to be very familiar with the constitution of the country he's representing. And I just feel to pause here. Um, I'm probably not going to get past this this morning again. So you stuck with me again next week. I thought I'd give you some variety, but looks like I'm back. Hey, Dave, can you take another week? We need to understand that when you see yourself as ambassador, representing heaven, it'll change everything about your life. When you recognize that the country behind you is backing you, and the country behind you is underwriting you, and the country behind you will stand behind the constitution it gave you and the message it asked you to, to proclaim, you don't have to live in fear wherever you're living in the world. Because you start believing, greater is he that's for me than he that's against me. And you might live in a country where the values and the beliefs are completely in opposition to the king's constitution. You might live in a place where no thought is spared for the value of life, but there is a constitution written that undergirds and backs you. And as Jesus walking through the crowd said, you can't kill me yet. My time has not come. But then another time, they took him and killed him. And he said, not my will, Father, but yours be done. You see, when you understand the constitution of the country you represent and you see yourself as an ambassador of that country, you are also listening to the voice of that government. I'm not just talking about living sterile just on black words on white paper, but your ear is tuned in to the government of heaven. That's why Paul could obey the general commission of God to go into Asia and preach the gospel. And when he was going to Bithynia, the Holy Spirit said, no, you can't go there. But hang on, Lord, you said go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's in your constitution. Sorry, can't change your mind now. But Paul was tuned into the Holy Spirit. So although he was taking the general sense of the Great Commission, he could hear about the dream of the Macedonian. And he could apply himself into that region. Sometimes I wish it turned right there because we would have had owned the oil fields today, not Western Europe. But God knows. See yourself as an ambassador. See yourself as representing a superior government with a superior currency and a superior military. So superior, Jesus smiled to himself and said, if you really knew what one angel could do, you wouldn't tell me to call my boys to come and free me. I'm obeying the will of my father. That's why you've got authority over my life, Jesus said. But if I were to call on one legion of angels, it would be flattened. Never mind Hiroshima. This is like, that's one angel's breath. Wiped out a whole army. One angel. Keep going, Janet. Help me. Help me, babes. Well, I think I've only got one left.
Let me, let me read this to you. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then the last one, which I might tide over to next week, is that in a country there are keys. That is kind of a, a metaphor for systems and processes and uh, ways. You know, the Bible talks about the ways of God. Let me follow the ways. God's got ways of doing. He's got systems. And some of those have already been included in these other terms of, of the government of heaven. But, but the keys are, are slightly separate subtopic because they incorporate so much more. They, they incorporate so many of the principles Jesus taught in the parables, so many of the principles the apostles wrote in their letters to the other churches, that one has to go like a merchant searching for, for, for treasures and, and, and discover and, and, and sift through things to find out the value of these keys and how they operate. And just quickly, the function of keys is that they grant access. What are you needing to access in your life now? These keys grant access. So much to say about that. But they also represent control. When we come together and we stand in agreement, we can change people's destinies, circumstances by agreement with heaven. What do you need to be controlled? Not the people you work with, not the people around you. We don't control people, but we can control events and circumstances by being ambassadors, citizens of heaven, in agreement. What, it provides authority. Jesus said, whenever two or three of you gather, there, there's an authority that's given as you use the keys of the kingdom. Speaking about, keys speak about ownership. Everything Jesus died to provide is the rightful owner, property of, of those for who he died. So everything Jesus died to provide is the property of those for whom he died. And there's an ownership we can take by applying the keys, the ways, the, 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 the principles of the kingdom in our life. And then finally... Keys grant freedom. I enjoyed singing that this morning. Hey, no longer a slave to fear. Man, that jangle of the keys came down the corridor. Clank, 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 clank. Door opened. Next one, clank, 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 clank. Next one got louder, got louder. Until it got our cell door and we heard that key being inserted and something opened up. And we heard our voice being called. There was a freedom that the key of heaven brought to our life. Now Jesus says, I've given you those keys. You can free people or you could bind people. You don't want to bind people. You want to release people. Amen? You want to release your husband to a life of favor and peace and joy. Ajax. You want to release economic prosperity and blessing. And you want to release endurance. 
and perseverance. Hey, Joe, in the midst of hardship, in the midst of difficulty, we want to use those keys to, to release something over our spouses. Hey, husbands, let's release something. Church, let's release something over our children and our children's children. The keys of the kingdom not only grant access and represent control and provide authority and bring ownership, but they grant freedom. The keys of the kingdom. I'm glad we're spending some time on this topic. I'm glad we're growing in this topic. Because I don't believe there's anything else we should be preaching right now. Because the Bible says it's the gospel of the kingdom of God. Go into all the world and preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, we can preach the gospel, and that's good, but that's the key to get in. What about the kingdom of God? How much there is to be occupied? How much there is to be explored? I mean, we haven't even started speaking about prayer. We haven't even started speaking about identity. We haven't even started speaking about prosperity and healing and signs and wonders. And these are all the property of the king's children in the king's domain, walking as citizens of heaven, as ambassadors of the throne. And we want to understand these and grow so that our influence in 2020 on will increase and increase and increase. My friends, we're not called to play church. We're called to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up together. Lord, we just give you praise. We give you honor. We thank you for freedom. We thank you for fresh revelation. I ask that every word would be kept. And we're going to take up the offering this morning because I've got the elders in the house saying, we've got to pay the lights and water this month. So just as we conclude in prayer, we're going to take the person's wallet next to us. We're going to give as we've always wanted to give. And seriously, thank you for your partnership. Thank you for your collaboration. In, um, in the matters of the king's work here at 10 Harvey Road. We met as elder leaders yesterday and just rejoiced in so much of what God is doing through this, this local church. And this couldn't be done if we didn't have partners and, and, and givers and generous people that are operating. Um, you know, they don't want our money, Jan. I don't know what, we did, did something wrong, but I'll, I'll can do it later. So, Lord, even as we, even as we uh, participate in this simple way, even as we contribute through our hard-earned cash, that stuff that caused us sweat and tears, that stuff that gave me blisters on my hand, thank you, Lord, that you will send Steve Pulbro to me in the midst of my hardship. And I will have an opportunity to sow good seed. Amen. This is a good place to sow good seed. And thank you, guys, for being with us this morning. Uh, the online audience, God bless you too, uh, as you faithfully steward, you'll see the offering details will come up. Um, thank you for your contributions. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.